Namaste and welcome back to beautiful India. Today is day seven of our seven day challenge. This is our final video, yeah. our final conversation. So thank you so much for joining us for the past seven days. Today's conversation will revolve around the practice that we just did. So if you haven't done the practice, make sure you do the practice. Yeah. Um, today's practice was a yin practice. And I think it's um, such a potent place for us to end. Totally. Um, the yin style of practice is one of the, the various styles that we've explored over the last seven days together. And it's, it's one of the styles that we teach, one of the approaches that we teach at Om Som. Yeah. And um, it really allows us space to rest. Mm. Um, perhaps more effectively than any other style of practice. Yeah, for sure. Um, our lifestyles are so fast-paced and to take that time to rest um, what's the word I'm looking for intentionally is kind of like a um, like a protest mm. <laughs> it's like a silent protest I will no longer be burnt out I will no longer be overworked I will no longer be overwhelmed mm. I will no longer um, have no control over my nervous system and my digestion and my state of mind. Yeah, I think that it's a interesting practice and I think the style in which we shared yin just then, it was like a little bit quicker than what we normally yeah. share. It was a little more uh, dynamic, uh, more time moving very slowly still and very yeah. with all the intentions of yin. But I think it can be a very uh, beautiful way to meet people where they're at because yin you know, in that 75 minute or two hour setting that we usually offer it in the studio and most of our online classes can be a little bit intimidating and can be a little bit uh, overwhelming at the beginning, especially if you are in the rat race and you're really busy and you can't stop your mind from thinking and then all of a sudden just halting into this practice of stillness. Yeah, I want to acknowledge that can be really hard and for a lot of people it is. And for me, when I started this practice, it was really hard and that's okay. Mm. Yeah, but as you start the practice, as you start to, to gently, you know, nestle yourself into that space of stillness day in and day out, it actually creates space for you to just be. Yeah, for sure. I think in the beginning, there is a period where you have to do some mental and emotional processing yeah. or a mental and emotional digesting. Mm. You consider your um, emotions as like a backlog and every night when you go to sleep um, you digest all of your like emotional experiences as long as you're having like a wholesome sleep you digest all of your emotions or your mental experiences or your physical experiences from that 24 hours however if we don't sleep well or we have something that disrupts that digestive process or that rest and relaxation process these things start to backlog up and they start to create a little bit of um, stagnation in the body and then it takes a little bit more than just the eight hours or so of sleep that we get every night to start to move through that processing mm. so by creating a little bit of extra time um, within our day to do something like we've just done we start to strip back the layers of that backlog I guess of emotions of mental processes of anything that's kind of happened in our life that we haven't actually completely digested yeah I like that and I like to kind of uh, 
instead of drawing a parallel between like emotional mental digestion i like to think of it as emotional and mental composting mm. where we've had all of these experiences yes we can digest them and take from those experiences the knowledge and the goodness and the richness and more so we could look at it as this process of like everything piling up mm. just as you would in a compost and when it's given the time and the warmth and the nurturance and the correct conditions it can be recycled as nourishment yeah, totally. it can allow new experiences to grow and to flourish and, and in the case of yin it can allow the experience of stillness and the experience of spaciousness mm. to grow and flourish. Yeah, but if you don't give it the special con conditions, it just becomes a stinky pile of garbage. <laughs> that's just rotting that, inside you. Yeah, that just works directly with your, your body, lives in your body. Yeah. And so I think it's really important to create that intentional space of rest each day yeah. that's separate from your sleeping time. Yeah. Um, and I think for a lot of people, there's this kind of idea that resting equals sitting down and watching television yeah. or resting equals sitting down and scrolling on your phone. But the truth of it is that when you're sitting down watching television, when you're sitting down scrolling on your phone, there's actually stimulation. Yeah, hyper stimulation almost. Yeah, it's like a, a constant information overload. Mm. And so what we're doing in this practice is what we would call pratyahara, where we're removing the senses from mm. the situation. And that gives us an opportunity to let the mind, and in the initial, it's usually it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, in that initial stage where you're met with stillness, your mind will just work things out. It'll get busy and busy and busy. And then at a certain point, we call it the phase shift. There's some snap instance where the mind goes from being busy to being quiet. Mm. And the body goes from being tense to being calm. Yeah. And really, this style of practice is designed to get us to that point. Mm. And the more you practice in this way, the more easily that point, that moment comes. Yeah. At a certain point, it only takes you five minutes. It only takes you 10 minutes. It only takes you one or two minutes mm. to be able to sit down, lay down, you find your position, and then you just drop in. Yeah, and sure. you can sit in that space for as long as you need to process what needs to be processed. And by not like achieving or reaching that state doesn't mean anything negative or anything like that. It's just something to work towards or it's just like a marker, you know, of, of where you're at in your practice and how things affect you and how easy it is for you to drop into states of parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. And when we drop into that state, we get so many benefits. Mm. We get the benefit of like hyper digestion like physical digestion now our digestive system gets a huge upregulation our nervous system gets down regulated which means we can process our emotions mm. we feel safe our heart rate lowers and our body goes into this healing mode mm. all of the processes really start to um, focus on regeneration mm. our immune system starts to upregulate and we build our immunity, we build our strength, it's recovery time, our muscles recover, all of our tissues recover, our joints start to recover. Um, so there's so many benefits to this style of practice and I think it might be important for us to just talk about it being this passive approach to mm. asana. A lot of the time when we practice yoga, it's an active endeavor, we're looking for activation, we're looking for stimulation, we're looking for contraction in the body. 
And in this style of practice, we're actually looking for the opposite. Mm. You will come into the shape and then we'll just relax there. We'll try and be supported as we can. And we let the body soften and soften and soften and soften and soften. Mm. Um, and so in a lot of ways, it's contrary to the way that we are often asking you to practice. And then in a lot of the ways, it's almost um, complementary mm. to the mirrored other styles of practice totally. that we do. Um, so in our eyes, yin practice, restorative practice is something that we should most certainly be including in our weekly schedule of practice. Yeah, um, and if you're someone who practices in a studio, it's great because you have the opportunity to come to three or four or five yang style, hatha style practices. And then you can come to two or three yin style practices. Depending on where you're at in your life, if you need that balance skewing towards rest and restoration, you can attend more of the yin classes on the schedule. If you're in a place in your life where you need to be moving more towards activity, you can skew towards more hatha style practices. Mm, for sure. Um, now, the other thing that I wanted to mention was that this passive style of stretching works with our body in a, in a very different way. It allows us to create physical space mm -hmm. within the body where there's a locking up or an old injury or some scar tissue or something like that. If we stretch in this passive way, so we come into the pose completely relaxed, what ends up happening is after we hold the shape for a, a five, ten minute period, the interconnecting um, connective tissue that's deep in the body starts to open and stretch. It creates space. And within that space, the muscles and the ligaments and the bones have more space to move. Not only that, but it promotes blood flow into those areas, specifically the, the deeper tissues like the cartilage and the ligaments and the, um, the heads of the bones. And it allows for hydration. Finally, that deep stretching in a passive way has a very interesting effect on our pain receptors. And so it can be very helpful for people who are experiencing pain to move toward the pain because the pain is just your body's natural way of communicating with you. Mm. It's saying, hey, take your attention to this point. If you can lean into the pain in a, in a very gentle and supportive way, you can actually start to work with the pain and it, it desensitizes the pain receptors in your body. And so we can move into the stretch, we can sit with the pain, not in a, a damaging way, but in a therapeutic way. We can sit with it, we can explore it, we can be inquisitive and um, question the pain. Mm -hmm. And if we hold for a, 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 an amount of time, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, that pain may start to decrease, yeah. which can be so liberating for mm. some people. Yeah, sure. um, I definitely had that experience in my early stages of practicing yin was that the, the pain in my body from various things started to decrease. Mm. Um, and I think that a lot of people have that experience. Um, for me personally, I remember the first time that I felt the effects of yin practice. And it was probably, I reckon I'd been practicing yin for maybe 12 months. Mm. I had this experience where I did this practice 
I got to the end of it and I sat up and something had changed. Mm. My breath was slower. My thoughts were slower. Mm. My body felt so calm and so relaxed. And I think for the first time in my life, I realized what rest felt like yeah. as like an embodied experience. Yeah. And I think until you have that full body experience of, of oh my God, I feel relaxed, mm. you don't realize how wired you have been, mm. how wired we all are as a society um, and how wired you've been for so long, you know, and, and how much that just slowly chips away at your health, mm. slowly chips away at the the health of your body, the health of your mind, the health of your immune system. Yeah, and I think that can be really triggering for some people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think... I it could like come as a shock. Did we talk about this in the last video? I think so, but, you know, sometimes after practices, people are just like, I had this crazy headache, or, you know... Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, I it was so It brings things aware, to the surface. ...aware of the ailments in my body, and they blame it on the practice. Um, yeah. And Whereas the practice is actually just illuminating yeah. what was sitting behind the stimulation. Yeah, for sure. That's a powerful one, I think. Mm. It's just like we use stimulation as a way of distracting ourselves. Mm. You know, you go on your phone, you flick on the TV, you have a drink, you have a smoke, you have some food to distract you from the sensations in your body mm. or the thoughts in your mind or the emotions that sit somewhere between those two places. Yeah, for sure. And so the practice will illuminate that and sometimes it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And when it's uncomfortable, so long as it's not pain and you're not causing injury for yourself, but when it's uncomfortable, sometimes can be the most powerful place to practice from mm. is just to continue exploring that and questioning, well, why is this practice giving me headaches yeah. worse than I normally experience? Yeah. Why is this practice making me cry <laughs> why is this practice you know giving me this feeling that i don't normally feel yeah. and what you find is that the more that you question those feelings the more you start to penetrate into their root mm. and when you penetrate into the root it's just like a weed once you pull it out from the root it's not going to grow back yeah right it's it's a practice of introspection that allows us the space to really understand the root of our suffering mm. and I think I feel so deeply in my heart um, that that is the essence of yoga practice mm. it's been some in some ways lost by the doing mm. and a practice like this really gives us the space for the being the experience that is yoga in its mm. entirety yeah, and I think that's such an interesting point. And it was something that you and I discussed right at the beginning of our trip, not on the podcast or anything like this, but the difference between the practice that we need in the West, specifically in you know our town, our local um, in Australia, and the practice that is offered in India, like in Rishikesh, where we were, we did some really like strong, intense, rigid practices. And we were kind of discussing that. Um, and the thing that came up for me was there's so much softness, there's so much softness, there's so much intimacy, there's so much connection with God and religion and the divine and connection with self in India itself that the practice 
kind of can be a little bit strict and 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 that that balance can can really help whereas with us in the west there's so much doing there's so much acting there's so much thinking there's so much working that maybe our practice does need that little bit of a softer side you know relative um to create that balance within self and to give us the opportunity to understand stillness mm. one of my teachers said to me a long time ago that stillness is the vehicle that guides us toward the experience of yoga mm. and that always stuck with me because it's so true that yeah. you can't have the experience of yoga the you know illumination and emptiness and clarity of mind that we call yoga you can't have that without stillness mm, for sure. stillness takes you to that place mm. and so by allowing ourselves to find stillness in our practice we get to experience the richness that is at the core of the yoga tradition mm. and that is meditation yeah and so we can use our asana practice to to take us from this place of doing 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 to less doing to less doing to less doing to less doing to stillness mm. so that we can begin the path that is yoga yeah sure um j yoga <laughs> Let's go yoga, let's go. <laughs> that was cringe. <laughs> <sighs> and I think that brings us full circle. Yeah. For this little journey. Um, I think just reflecting on our journeys, it's always coming back to that. It's like, how can we bring ourselves back to stillness each day? Yeah. And there are so many different techniques that we can use to get there, whether it's mm. doing or non-doing. Um, ultimately, our practice should be taking us toward a place of stillness mm. where there is no agitation. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so for us, it's always finding the practice that is unique to you. And I hope that through this seven-day challenge, you've got a little bit of a taster of all of the different ways that we can practice. Mm. Um, maybe there's a particular style or there was a particular practice that you feel was like, oh, that was my jam. Mm. That gave me what I needed on that day. And maybe you can go and revisit that. Maybe you can go onwards from there and explore our whole library where there'll be a section of practices that are just like that one. Mm. Expanded ones that are 90 minutes or two hours, compacted ones that are 30 minutes or 60 minutes. Mm. Um, and I really hope that in some way this has inspired you to practice. Yeah. <laughs> to, to continue to beyond this seven days, make it 30 days, make it 40 days. See if you can make it 90 days. Mm. See if you can do 365 days mm. where you've done a yoga practice every single day. Mm. I think that that is where the magic lies. Totally. If you can practice something every single day, yoga will benefit you. If you practice yoga once a week, you will not see the benefits so quickly. So quickly, yeah. <laughs> um, so I hope this challenge has inspired you to practice. Mm. Um, I hope that this challenge has been nurturing for you. And by no means is this the last thing that you'll hear of us. We are going to continue posting on the podcast, posting practices on YouTube, for as long as we have cameras. Yeah, which is hopefully a long time because they're expensive. <laughs> and um, I guess just like wrapping up and, and taking things full circle, 
the purpose of us running this challenge was to promote our experiences in India next year. And yeah. so if that calls to you in a deep place, if there's something in your heart that's saying, I think that I should go to India and, and experience the land and, and the energy that yoga came from, then follow the links at the bottom of this video in the description and check out what we have on offer. We have three offerings in India next year. Mm. The first one is a 200-hour training that'll be full-time for three weeks. So basically the 200-hour yoga teacher training is just like the intro place to teaching yoga. It's the first and foremost training that you can take. Um, it gives you all the foundations, all the fundamentals, all the experience that you need to capably and confidently teach a 60-minute or so yoga class along with workshops, along with just teaching yoga to your friends, your family, being through your actions, through your words. It doesn't necessarily have to be all about teaching asana, teaching pranayama, teaching meditation. The 200 hour is really just a beginner's course into yoga and meditation. And it gives you an opportunity to begin to embody the practice. Mm. It gives you the tools to create a practice for yourself mm. that is completely tailored to you and to have the wider understanding and the context as to what it is that you're practicing and why you're practicing yeah. it. Cool, and then we also will be running a seven day or so yoga and Ayurveda retreat in India. And this is open to novices that have never practiced yoga before. This is open to people that have done yoga teacher trainings before and just want to come and immerse with us. Uh, it's basically open to everyone. It will just be yeah, a really deep retreat into the land of India, along with some teaching, some wisdom, some philosophy, and obviously some practice. And it will be in the most beautiful place that you've ever seen. The place that we've found to run these retreats is just incredible. Um, we'll do tours, we'll do eating, we'll do community, we'll do practice, we'll and do And that's within all of our trainings, not just the retreat. Yeah. And then the third option is a little bit more of an intense option. It's a 300-hour program that we'll be running over the entire year of 2023. So if you're a yoga teacher that's done their 200-hour training, this is the next step from that. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of prerequisites. So if you're interested in that, reach out to us. Personally, there's some information on the website, but you'll need to get some stuff sorted and organized before you start that, but it starts in January. Mm -hmm. And it'll be running yeah, part-time in Berwick in our studio in person, um, one weekend a month, uh, January till July, and then two weeks in India later in the year. So yeah. If any of that calls to you, all the details are on our website. Check it out, chat to us, let us know if you have any queries, concerns, etc. We're happy to hash it out with you. Yeah. And then I think finally, just another reminder that if you have enjoyed this series, if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy our content, we put out so much for free, um, all that we ask is that you share it with someone that could benefit from yeah, it. Totally. If you have a mom or a dad or a sister or a brother or a best friend or a best man that you feel would benefit from yoga practice and that would resonate with our message and enjoy listening to us banter with each other, then share this series, share the podcast, share the YouTube channel with them and get them started on their journey. Yeah, sounds um, great. I think it's the least that you can do for us for these seven days of practice. We would really appreciate it. It would mean the world to us. And apart from that, we hope you have a beautiful day. We love you so, so much. And thank you from the bottom of our hearts for joining us for the last seven days of practice. Adiós. Adiós.